little stories, one-liners, are sometimes the most powerful kryptonite in the story arsenal. Kryptonite had the power to drain Superman's strength. It was the one thing that could bring him down, his Achilles heel. In fact, in the original comic, it was suggested that he was a boring character because he had no weaknesses. That was the point that Kryptonite was introduced into the story. We humans are anything but boring. Complex and filled with beautiful gifts, we also all have this voice in our heads that speaks to us, most often in derogative critical tones, if not outright comments about our worth and our abilities. Let's talk about this voice, these powerful one-liners, because they do the same thing to humans that kryptonite does to Superman. They take away our power. They leave us weak and unable to use our strong and capable gifts. It's time to get rid of them. Stories are our lives and language. Welcome to the Love Your Story podcast. I'm Lori Lee, and I'm excited for our future together of telling stories, evaluating our own stories, and lifting ourselves and others to greater places because of our control over our stories. This podcast is about empowerment and giving you, the listener, ideas to work with and making your stories work for you. Power serves you best when you know how to use it. Last week, we talked about forgiveness, how we do not give anyone the right to smother our light. Today, we're going to talk about one-liner lies that eat away at our souls. Sounds dramatic, but it is kind of. The swimmer pulled his body from the pool as the water slid from his sleek physique. He grabbed a towel and dried his hair, relishing the time of his last set of laps. He smiled to himself as he turned to head to the locker room. And just that quickly, he heard the familiar voice in his head whisper, Yeah, well, but you never hit the next goal. You're just too slow. His momentary success was lost that quickly under a pile of words that played across his mind every day while he trained. As he walked toward the locker room, he hardly noticed the smile on his face disappear or the lilt in his step slow. Across town, a woman in a red dress, who loved to sing and dance, even dreamed of doing it on stage, shuffled around at her coffee shop job, singing while she closed in the evenings, because daring to dream for anything more was just silly. Whenever she toyed with the idea of trying out for production at the local theater, the voice in her head reminded her that she was nobody. Why would you be able to do that, it queried. Who do you think you are? And so she shuffled and sang to the walls and the espresso machine and the paper cups as she stacked them next to their paper sleeves. The teen walked with his friends down the long hallway to school. The sign taped to the gray locker caught his attention. Tryouts for the soccer team were next week. He'd love to play. He'd been toying with trying out. But he knew his skill was somewhere in the middle of the road. And what if he made a fool of himself? What if he tried and didn't make it? It was so much easier not to stand out because then you could fly under the radar. You're not that good, the voice in his head parroted, as it did every time he thought about trying out. It's safer not to try. These three examples are simple, standard, happen over and over every day in seven billion individual ways. You're not alone. I'm not alone. I don't know why, but it seems to be universal that everyone has this voice in their head. I've often wondered, 
What if that natural voice in our head was a cheerleader instead? A voice that told us we are wonderful and can be and have wonderful things. What if the little nitpicky voice wasn't nitpicking and amplifying our fears? And what if instead it was creating possibility for us? What would the world be like then? Can you even imagine? Well, this is the point where the powerful take control. And yes, you are powerful. Today's podcast is an awareness rallying cry. The first step is awareness, right? Let's talk about these one-line stories, give credit where credit is due, and realize what they do to us. And then let's use our power every day to shut them down, one story at a time, when they start prattling on in our heads. Have you taken one of the myriad personality tests? There are plenty to choose from as we seek to understand ourselves and others. They pinpoint and categorize behavior patterns so that people can choose a career that aligns with their strengths, or learn how to get along with people who have different behavior patterns, or to understand oneself and why you do what you do. They're used for all kinds of reasons, and I dare say that most people have taken one or two. I'm a predominantly red personality. Depending upon which personality test you take, I'm a controller, a type A, a get-things-done sort of chick. Type A personalities are the folks who make things happen. They lead, they create, they follow through. They want respect, they prize freedom. There are so many great things about this personality type. As with all of the personality types, though, there are also things about Reds, Type A's, that irritate others. In fact, we might be the most irritating. Over the years, I've accumulated the occasional comment from a client, friend, family member that I'm too controlling, too opinionated, too strong. These comments, some of them from people that I loved and felt loyalty to, were often really hurtful. Over time, I took these comments, these one-liners, ignoring all the positive comments from other sources that lauded my strength and celebrated my ability to achieve, that praised my authentic and honest nature, and instead focused on the friend who abandoned me, or the boyfriend who didn't want to be challenged, and the folks who didn't want to hear the truth. And I internalized a story about myself that I was difficult. This story had a profound effect on me. I felt like it was truth because it was based in real life experience. Granted, I have learned a very limited aspect of my experience. And the repetition of this one-liner, I said to myself, you're difficult, it affected my self-perception. Once loving, outgoing, and excited, I eventually started to stay inside my house and only chose to go out with people with whom I felt safe. I had great relationships with those friends, and we had fun and created great memories, and who I am was something they loved. But I knew I was playing small. My world had become a select group of people that it had taken me years to truly trust. And in my heart, I realized this smallness was not serving me. I realized I had come to a point in my life that was tired and protective, but it felt I was there for a good reason, and I just didn't know how to get out of it, or frankly, if I wanted to get out of it. It was unsatisfying, but it was safe. And after a few arrows in my back, safety was important. As I came to learn more about how we create our own stories, and I took an emotional intelligence workshop that I've referred to in a couple of other episodes, probably all of them, frankly. I worked with personal coaches who helped me get back in touch with the authentic me. 
the me that loves and skips and believes in myself and even dares to be vulnerable. It's a process, I'll be honest, but I see the stories now. I see how I led a handful of experiences with people whose perception of an experience with me was negative. Looking through their lens, I let that take precedence over the hundreds, thousands of other comments over these same years where I was praised, applauded, loved, and enjoyed by so many other people. We all do this. Think about the last time someone criticized you and how much credence you gave this comment, how much it bothered you, how much power you allowed it to have. I can stew on a good insult for ages because it's hurtful. Then think about the last time you were complimented and how you brushed it off. If you're anything like me, sometimes I don't even acknowledge compliments. I get afterwards and I'm wondering to myself why I ignored the woman who told me she liked my outfit. Oftentimes, I can't even remember a compliment or won't for long because compliments tend to roll off our backs. There's an actual evolutionary reason for this. In a nutshell, it's because we are programmed to remember things that hurt us so we can stay away from them. The hurtful things get larger memory space to keep us safe. We simply aren't programmed to spend hours, days, or weeks ruminating over the lady in the grocery line who told us we had darling children, or the congratulatory comment the boss gave us after our big presentation, or the time a dear friend told us how amazing we make his life. We'd be far better off spending time on that, though, than spending that time thinking about the person who told us we needed to lose weight, or said we were difficult, or insulted our taste in paisley pants. You hear me? Here's the truth. The stories we create about ourselves can become immensely heavy. Criticism from others builds up in our hearts and our minds, and before you know it, you're seeing yourself through the lens of the haters. The haters' information can be completely inaccurate. Their perception not of your authentic self. But see, that doesn't matter when we repeat their story to ourselves. We eat it up and pretty soon we're telling a story about our unworthiness. We're too fat, too thin, too stupid, too difficult, too damaged, too unworthy to be the amazing person we came here to be. These stories are so powerful because our perception is our reality. And what we perceive as reality will make or break us. The story we repeat to ourselves gets assimilated into who we are, who we think we are. And pretty soon we're hiding or living small or ready to give up or unable to engage in a productive life because we're defining ourselves by these little one-liners, these lies, these one-lines that don't serve us, that aren't truths about us, and yet there they are every day. A lot of these stories are assimilated from childhood. What if your stepfather told you you'd never be good at anything? The thing we don't realize as children is that this comment was a reflection of the person who made it. It had nothing to do with the reality of who you were and who you are. These peers or parents or teachers, aunt or uncle who undervalued you or put on too much pressure or neglected to tell you about your strengths criticized you or actively tried to tear you down. Their words are about them. They're not about you. First and foremost, we must realize their comments are by no means reality. They're not the special truth about who we are, our authentic self, 
They are comments that come from hurt and damaged people reflecting their own insecurities. Everybody has an opinion, but we don't have to listen to all the opinions, and we certainly don't need to take their opinion as fact. Haters will always be out there, especially if you try to do something big, right? But just like the Olympic athletes who have to drown out the stories of the crowds, we get to learn how to block out the noise and the one-liner judgment stories that don't serve us. Others' opinions only have the power we give them. That's real stuff, people. The game is in our own heads. And if we first realize their comments aren't fact, and second, stop listening to the doubters, they got no way in, baby. What story have you made up about yourself? Think about this seriously. For me, I didn't even realize they were stories. I saw them as fact. I am getting older. But did that really make me too old to find love? I had put on a few pounds since turning 40. But was I really unacceptable because of it? I am strong. But that strength helped me to survive an emotionally abusive husband. It helped me to survive traumas like my son being diagnosed with leukemia. It helped me to stand up and try for love a ridiculous number of times. We are not unworthy. We are not small. We are not powerless. So shut those voices down. If there is a voice in your head that is holding you back, then it's not serving you. Your authentic self is wonderful and filled with potential no matter who you are. I know it's not always easy to change our stories, especially these one-liners that feel simply like things we know. But once you can see that they are false, that older people are always finding love, that all shapes and sizes of bodies are gorgeous and worthy, and that different people are attracted to different body types, that being a powerful woman is not something to be ashamed of, then you begin to wholly accept yourself. While the haters' comments still sting because nobody likes to be criticized, you come to know your authentic self and you can shake off the haters and their own small spaces and the false stories that you repeat to yourself every day. Even the flaws that you consider yourself to have are only flaws because you tell yourself they are. My son is often looking in the mirror, complaining that one eyebrow might be higher than the other or one nostril is not shaped like the other or one ear sits higher on his head. None of these things are noticeably true. But if he continues to obsess about them, pretty soon he will genuinely think there is something wrong with the way he looks. He'll be self-conscious and concerned about things he's created. So, first and foremost, accept your whole self. See your own beauty, your own potential. Reconnect with the dreams you once thought you might create. Believe in yourself and check the voices in your head and the stories they tell you every day when you look in the mirror, when you try for something hard, when you need to stand up for yourself. Check the voices and the stories and weed out the ones that don't serve you. Weed out the lies so you can fly. I have a friend whom I will call Bonnie. As a young girl, she was filled with life and joy and fun, and she danced and played and wasn't the least self-conscious of her darling round body. As she got older and comments were made about her weight, she became self-conscious. Each segment of her life, adolescence, college, adulthood, were marked mentally for her by her perception of her weight and what others might be thinking. The voices she listened to told her that somehow she was less 
than those who fit the magazine cover image. It's a tough culture we live in when it comes to body image. There's no doubt about that. It's an uphill battle. But what difference could it make if the voice in your head wasn't saying, you're too fat, but you're beautiful? How would she have lived differently? How would I live differently? How would you live differently? Who do those voices in your head serve? The one-liner kryptonite that cripples us from the inside out? Or do we shut down and replace them with one-liners that we create on purpose? One-liners like, Hell yeah, I'm awesome. I got this. I'm a beautiful woman. I am filled with love. I have gifts to share. My voice matters. I'm amazing. Whatever you need to hear, you get to create those voices because those are the voices that serve you, not the one-liners that hold you back and make you small. So for those of you thinking, well, If I get repeated feedback and I never listen to it, then how do I improve? Am I just ignoring what really is? Or, I only tell my sister she needs to clean her house because I'm afraid her kids are going to get a disease from the stagnating fast food wrappers all over the floor. I'm just telling her the truth. Let me say that when we get feedback from others, it can definitely give us insights to consider. For instance... I understand a little more now about how some personalities feel challenged or embarrassed or run over by people who come across bold and in charge. I'm working to improve and refine my skill set. I'm working on learning how to be more supportive with souls for whom directness is too much. I'm learning to allow instead of insist that my children do things my way. I've learned that there are lots of leaders and I can stand back and lead only when I'm needed or feel strongly about an issue. We can use repetitive feedback from multiple sources to inform and guide us, but never, never to define us. We are not the interpretation of others. We are always worthy, always enough. And that's the place we need to work from, because that belief in our authentic self, the self we all need to get in touch with, is the space from which we can love without judgment. Get rid of the judgment. Celebrate your beauty. Celebrate your beauty as a human being. My challenge to you this week is to write a love letter to yourself. Remind yourself of your greatness, your potential, your talents and charms. Love yourself first and foremost. It's the foundation for greatness and frankly, it's the foundation you need beneath you to be able to truly love other people. Have fun out there telling your stories, and I'll see you next week on Love Your Story Podcast.